0: Hey, it's me david webb and here's a highlight from today's show on sirius xm patriot congress not just republicans but some democrats apparently Angry, beyond angry, seething, according to some reports, over the ongoing chaos uh, to evacuate Americans and allies from our, from Afghanistan. Uh, the administration, of course, emphasizing diplomacy. But how do you emphasize and act and carry out diplomacy with an enemy who doesn't see diplomacy the way you do? Anthony Blinken saying, it's my understanding that the Taliban has not denied exit to anyone holding a valid document, which we now know to be blatantly false. He said this just yesterday. We now know this to be blatantly false. We have a State Department official sending an email in response to a now a private citizen, Eric Montalvo, who has been organizing private flights to get those stranded in Afghanistan. Essentially, not essentially, but literally saying no independent charters are allowed to land at al Air Base, uh, a number of other areas. And in quote, you need to find another destination country and it can't be the U.S. either our very own State Department, the Biden administration, the executive branch. Lessons have not been learned, and now tragedies are playing out. Why haven't they learned these lessons? What about the politicians and the political class? Why the failure to see reality? Kevin Nicholson, a veteran of Afghanistan and Iraq, former Senate candidate from Wisconsin, and of course, when it comes to No Better Friend, NoBetterFriendCorp.com for their organization that does some great work uh, out there across the country. Kevin, thanks for joining me. David, thank you for having me. How are you doing? I got to tell you, Kevin, flat out frustrated angry like many Americans, you know, reality playing out just today for two more families that I know of uh, with dignified transfers in Omaha and in Ohio, in Erie County. I mean, this is very real for those families who watch their loved ones die unnecessarily.
1: You're right to be angry, and so are many millions of Americans across the country that are watching this, and you alluded to this and you're leading with the, the fact that our political class has simply not learned the lessons, and that's the piece I wrote for the Daily Caller, which is in essence, you look at the lessons of 9-11, it's now been almost the day, 20 years, we're coming up on, on the anniversary of 9-11, and the lessons of 9-11 were the fact that we had to be, in order to secure our liberty, we have to be constantly on guard, and we have to make strategic and intelligent decisions Uh, I fought in Afghanistan, as you mentioned, in 2008, 2009, and I'll tell you by the time I was there, and I'll say this quite succinctly, like the initial push into Afghanistan to destroy the Taliban, to destroy elements of al-Qaeda was correct, unequivocally. After that, we had no strategic mission in Afghanistan. The goal became to throw money at a problem to try and build a westernized republic. And in that sloshing around of many hundreds of billions of dollars, billions ended up in the pockets of terrorists. There's no two ways about that. And more to the point, never really won the hearts and minds, nor were the Afghan people ever looking for the creation of a westernized republic. So what we ended up doing was drawing this thing out for 20 years, not achieving any real objective And then now today, to your point, now we look at Afghanistan, there are multiple members of the Taliban government that the Biden administration and Tony Blinken are today working with, supposedly, who are directly connected to the 9-11 attack. And I I mentioned this in the Daily Caller piece, like, you know, we remember, of course, all the Americans who had will never forget 9-11 bumper stickers. I don't know how much further we can come from forgetting to the Biden administration placing the security of Americans, including American troops, in the hands of a Taliban government, which is governed by people who executed the 9-11 attack. And between Biden and Obama, the idiotic decisions those two have made to both release and also to empower terrorists is insane. And I'm furious with both of them, but I will say I'm also incredibly angry with many hundreds of members of Congress who could go a year or two at a time without even talking about what was happening in Afghanistan as we were losing American lives and spending billions of dollars. And we, as American people, just need to
0: expect more of our elected officials. Well, expecting and getting, as you know, Kevin, (laughs) two entirely different things. You know, I I like to look at the perspective of you know, whether it's in life, in business, or in war, the opponent, to know the history of Afghanistan, the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, the Haqqani Network, uh, you know, these various leaders for their cause, these Islamists, it's obvious, it's easy, it doesn't require even a great deal of in-depth intelligence because it's visible, So how did they manage to achieve such abject failure? No, this is a good question, right? And and
1: you're making an excellent point about the studying of history, right? So there, one, there's the objective of the Islamic fundamentalists to basically create a caliphate and to dominate their region and to create political power, hegemony, and then go off and, and basically strike at other Westernized countries that they see as threats. So that's one thing. You're right. That's completely obvious. They don't hide what they're trying to do. There's another element to history in Afghanistan, which I fundamentally just can't believe our elected officials couldn't see through. And I blame many generals, too, for going along with the absurdity of just not reading about the history of Afghanistan as a a chunk of ground, which is that, you know, this this refrain about, you know, this being a um, graveyard of empires is a very true thing. And it runs from Mongols to to Russia, to the Brits, to so many other civilizations that have found, it is very hard to go into a stone age society and fight them because they really don't have a lot to lose. Likewise too, there's just simple elements here of terrain. I can tell you about, you know, patrols spanning over many, many, many miles of opium fields and this wet, slick mud. And anyone who's served there knows what I'm talking about. Every step you take with a load on your back, your feet slip out from underneath you. It's, it is hard to fight there. Um, those, are the, those are the irrigated opium fields, and then you can go up in the east where you're literally basically running up and down mountains while you carry gear and your opponent doesn't. And our our, our elected officials are supposed to be smart, educated people. That's the way a republic should work. That's the way it was designed. But most of them are not people that you wouldn't, cu- you wouldn't trust to cut your, your lawn, basically. And so that's the issue. They didn't take the step back and say, okay, There is a limited amount of things you can accomplish in a place like Afghanistan. We know, to your point, the enemy wants to destroy our civilization. What we need to do is a fast, hard strike to destroy the Taliban and al-Qaeda capabilities. And then probably the best we can ever accomplish in this society is to arm very local populations to engage in literally regional battles with the Taliban in order to neutralize them. Now, that's not the creation of a westernized public. That's not, you know, building schools or wind farms or whatever else our billions of dollars went to that we were not ultimately able to secure. But that was probably realistic. And that would have helped to neutralize a threat instead of, as the Biden administration has done, empowered the Taliban to return to power, again, literally with the people that that helped to plan and execute the 9-11 attack in positions of power in that government. So So yes, there's just an element of like, this is why we teach kids history. This is why we're supposed to learn from what's happened in the past so that we can take a clear eyed view to what is the threat, what's a realistic response to the threat, and then how do we execute that without, again, needlessly risking American lives and and with a mission that we can actually explain to the American people. And then we can actually go about accomplishing. All this stuff should sound like second nature and like common sense. But you and I both know it's not amongst many people who serve in office today.
0: It's understandable that the American people, Kevin, would be more than skeptical. But, you know, ill-informed is a bad scenario as well. While the things you described and the things we've seen and talked about in the media for years now relative to Afghanistan have received, you know, probably more than enough coverage. Other factors and other players were not brought in. Again, history teaches you and can often guide you to the future. In, I, I can't remember the years, uh, but it's probably. 2013, 14, in that time window, maybe 2015, uh, there was the fight around many of the poppy field areas, and as a result, we took them back and then handed them back to the warlords. One problem. There was the revelation of more of the rare earth minerals, the deposits in Afghanistan, the topography, the geography, the geological Uh, analysis was done way back to the 60s by the then soviet union the inability to extract it it was one of the reasons the soviets went in gold deposits are a huge factor in this now you have russia china and iran gold which is not only Fungible on the world market, but can be used as a supporting base for a weakened Russian economy or to prop a prop up the Chinese economy by acquiring more wealth where it is also weak. That exists. It's fungible on the terrorist market. This isn't unknown. So right. that means that our leadership for decades, I'm not I'm not just going to go with the 20 years. But the inability to see Afghanistan for what it is, not only is the largest supplier of opium, of drugs that kill people around the world and is a part of the culture as well, but why weren't decisions being made around those realities and projections on who would have an interest in Afghanistan? Again, an excellent question. So now we're talking about
1: the real, like, our American leaders truly strategic in the way that they look at the rest of the world, or are they transactional and just thinking about how they stay in, a, in elected office as long as they possibly can? And the reality is, I think you, I think we know the answer. The, the bulk of our are just thinking to the next election cycle. How do I make it through that? How do I stay in office forever if I possibly can? And that's not the way that a republic is designed to work. It, it basically takes away your long-term thinking, and it also takes away your um, ability or your willingness for most people to take risks right and by risks I don't mean be reckless I mean being able to take a clear-eyed view of the world and say Afghanistan's a trouble spot if ever we get involved there we need to be very very smart and strategic about how we do it and and to your point we also can't allow this to become over many decades a terrorist training ground that's filled with a combination of uh, uh natural resources that other world powers want access to like that's a bad thing so how do we strategically think about not allowing that to happen in the first place if it does start to happen how do we get ahead of things like the actual occurrence of 9-11 to make sure we're thinking about we can't just allow a nation state such that it is and arguably it's really not even that but we call it that um to become a giant terrorist training ground <laughs> this is problematic and. It's not surprising that it would end up resulting in terror being dropped on our doorstep. So, these are the right questions to ask. And I would say, like, the problem is we have a permanent political class who is obsessed with remaining specifically in Washington, D.C., not thinking about, okay, I'm going to do this for a little while. I'm going to be clear eyed about the problems I see. And then, as was designed, I'm going to go back to the private sector, live my life, and allow someone else to pick up the baton and also take a clear eyed view of the world. Not a clear-eyed view of how do they stay in Washington for the next 30 years. I do think these things are intrinsically connected. And then you look at it now and say, okay, well, you think I'm lying about everything I just said. Look at the fact, not only were they strategic about what Afghanistan became prior to 9-11, here we are today, and you've got the permanent political class largely being aided and abetted with by the media. Um, there's some criticism of Biden, not, of course, anything close to what there would be of Anything like this happened on a Republican president's watch, but nonetheless, basically saying that they are going to turn this back over again to the people that perpetrated 9-11 and allow them to recreate the terrorist training ground they once had with, you know, basically an unquestioned uh, ability of the Biden administration to go out there and say things like the Taliban is different from Al Qaeda, (laughs) uh, that these guys are good and these guys are bad well, here's the reality. Between these different groups that are operating in Afghanistan, there's a lot of gray area. They transition between each other. They're basically gangs, and they're gangs that fight at times. They're gangs that get along at times. It depends on the circumstance. It's ugly politics, but it's politics. And so the notion, again, and I was really, really disappointed by a Marine general I saw on TV the other day basically saying our combat operations in Afghanistan have ended. And so my question to that is really, have they? Because We've got terrorists in charge of the country again. We've got American war material, including Blackhawks helicopters and many thousands of M4 and M16 rifles, all in the hands of terrorists. And we've got American citizens uh, in and around Afghanistan. So if you're really going to tell me that combat operations have ended or tell the American people that, I think you're kidding yourself and trying to kid them. In reality, what we've done, again, is relaunch a terrorist training ground, giving them free reign to operate and we've done it in such a way that they likely have access to hostages which is going to haunt us for a time to come.
0: Yeah, that last point Kevin, you know, when and where and you know again unverified uh I've I've reached out to some of my networks. Uh I certainly don't have the ones you do but in the intelligence quarters uh, reports, early reports, that some of these leaders, uh, Taliban, Al-Qa'ani, al-Qaeda, cobbled together, they rolled out their new government, they all walked into the room. As some of you may have seen the video, and the reports will come out soon, but that some of them are actually either aware of the positioning of Americans and Europeans, non-Afghans, as well as allies, and that some may actually, and I heard this from one uh, source that i have in washington that they're essentially being kept as uh pets they're hostages right. kept as pets for de- de- to be deployed when it's time
1: right exactly i mean look what we're looking at is a combination of saigon put together with the iran hostage crisis in essence all created by the biden administration and yes this is not done it is not over and It really does get to your question, which is like, how did this happen? Like, not just the war itself and the way the war was executed, but how do we get to this point in Afghanistan? When you see today generals going on TV and saying things like our combat operations have ended, knowing the circumstances that you just described, because they do know. And I I full well believe when those words were said, there's a high likelihood, upwards of 90 percent, that there were special operators from America on the ground in Afghanistan. So that's how this happens. People fall into a culture of go along, get along, and I've already described the political class and their main will in life is to remain in Washington. But then there's a separate issue, too, that's creeped into our military over the past decades, which is uh, career officers who go along to get along. And, you know, I, I Mark Milley's come up a lot in the news lately. Yeah, he was, he was all hot to trot to criticize President Trump. But yet at the end of the day, when this plan landed on his desk, he never said, Look, this is so stupid that I will lay my rank on the table, and I will resign if you attempt to move forward with this, and I will publicly criticize you. That could have saved the lives of the service members that we've lost in Afghanistan. That could have saved lives of local Afghans. That could have prevented this hostage crisis because it could have immobilized the Biden White House and Blinken from doing the stupidity that they went on to execute. And I don't want to paint every general with the same brush because that's not fair. But how many of them saw this plan and how many of them had a moral obligation, which comes with being a general officer, of saying, I'll stop. This needs to be halted. Maybe it is best to do a drawdown plan, but this is not the way to execute it. And I think that's what's most disappointing, that that feeling and that sentiment is throughout the ranks today.
0: There is a lot more we could cover on this, but I want to, you know, exit question as it were, Kevin, my guest, Kevin Nicholson, Afghan Iraq war veteran and a former Senate candidate from Wisconsin. Uh, When it comes to the interested parties over there, China, Russia, Iran and others, you know, I see a scenario where they will prop up whatever version of a government, but really it is tribal as as you know any analysis proves out uh they will prop up for their own interests they will support and therefore this will likely can help the taliban slash al-qaeda slash akhani network consolidate their power uh, aside from the internecine battles if that happens is there an end potentially to the northern or what's left of the northern alliance or the opposition in the panjar valley and from there what does it look like does afghanistan become used desolate and at the same time propped up well take china for
1: example because i think that's a good place to start i mean the way the chinese government the chinese communist party operates is completely transactional they are out to find resources across the world exploit those resources and and do whatever is necessary with local populations in order to get those resources. That's happening in certainly third world countries throughout the country, but it's happening in other more developed countries as well, too. Take an instance like Afghanistan. Okay, well, China today stares at that. Yes, there's mineral deposits, there's there's fossil fuel, but but going beyond that, there's also a ton of American uh, military, uh, uh, again, technology that, that the Afghan government has control of right now, the Taliban, And so, yes, this is going to be deals traded in order to get access to minerals and get access to intellectual property that's associated with American military technology. China is going to give whatever amount of cash, and it won't be much, honestly, to buy off the Taliban in order to prop them up and give them the power that they want. And yes, that will be enough to allow them to consolidate power in their their country. And again, uh, I do believe that there was a possibility to set up regional factions such that they could have fought off the Taliban on a regional level. Afghanistan was never going to consolidate as a country. It was tribal, as you said. And therefore, we just missed the opportunity to accept what what Afghanistan was and set these factions against each other so they could at least protect themselves. Now, China has the ability to, again, uh, just empower a gang of thugs. that's what the Taliban is to basically run roughshod over the population. That's a problem. And it's going to give the Chinese Communist Party greater access to resources and, again, to American military intellectual property. And for all the arguments, or they're not even well-made arguments that are out there talking about, well, these were – I literally read this. Liberals writing that, well, these were you know, military stores that were meant to be left behind for the Afghan government. No, there is no world in which we in the United States of America leave behind military equipment for terrorists – We can then trade it with the Chinese Communist Party or the Russian government in order to get more cash to fuel terror. That was never a decision someone made. This is the result of idiotic planning on the part of Joe Biden and his administration.
0: Kevin Nicholson, again, former Senate candidate and Afghanistan and Iraq war veteran. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, David. Keep the faith. You can join me live on The David Webb Show, Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east, on SiriusXM Patriot 125.